I'll tell you what, you wouldn't be teaching my kid a, a damn thing really? about dancing. Wow. You're a better dancer than me? What, are, are you seriously going to sit you know here no, on no, no, December no, no. 7th, no. 2023, and tell the world you're a better dancer than me? I would never say that. Okay, just make it short. I'm 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 a, I'm a, I'm going to tread lightly on this subject actually cuz I already know there's something in your back pocket that you got and the internet has that Oh yeah, yeah, you know. that just showcases or fails to showcase I would say my uh my athletic ability. Now, okay. dancing dancing I, I, they compared me on my uh college scouting prospect write up. Mhm. I was described as a dancing bear. Oh, nice. By a couple of Division two. So you were big country here. Baloo. Uh, I, I wouldn't say big. Oh, I. <laughs> I'm somebody that's just, I'm, I'm one of those, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I'll peel the curtain back. I'm one of those fat people that are still getting used to being fat. Because uh. it hadn't been that long. I, I tell you, I, I, I show people this picture from 2018. <laughs> they say, damn, what happened? <laughs> so look, man, life happened. I'm eating good, living better. But final hour of power here on the Hoffman Show. Anthony, it's something that, I, me and you, obviously, similar in age, similar taste, similar style. So certain things catch our attention that maybe wouldn't catch other folks' attention. And one thing that I feel like locally here that we don't get a lot of opportunity to talk about is Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes. Now, I've been one of these Deion backers. I actually remember the first weekend of the college football season, Anthony. I was filling in. I think it was me and Doc were filling in for Kevin Sheehan. And Denton Day, college football genius, college football savant, was just giving me all types of crap because I picked Colorado to beat TCU. No one had the kahunas. No one had the stones to do it. <clears throat> the youngest in charge did. And after that week, the narrative on Dion completely changed. You notice all the eyes that he brought to college football this year. In four straight primetime games on ESPN and ABC, Colorado was the must-see attraction of college football this year. And I think Deion Sanders and him bringing in his luggage, which happened to be Louie, it, it influenced all of that. But fast forward to the end of the season. Colorado last won a football game on October the 7th. The Buffaloes had one of the worst defenses in the nation, allowing 453 yards a game and 34 points a game. And their offense really nosedived, you know, toward the tail end of the season. They failed to reach 20 points in four of their final five games. Only one team in the nation committed more penalties than the Colorado Buffaloes. But despite all those numbers, Anthony, you may notice that about a week and a half ago, Deion Sanders won Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year. And a lot of people are upset about it. A lot of people were up in arms about it. And there were a bunch of nasty comments under Sports Illustrated's tweet. And I understand that a lot of the Dion hate is racially charged. I'm not afraid to, to lean into that conversation. It is what it is, man. I was raised to love everybody. We were all raised. We're supposed to be raised to love everybody. But we know certain people don't abide by that. But take the numbers out of it. Take Colorado's team success out of it. Anyone who looks at the Colorado program pre-Dion and post-Dion, and don't think that he has completely galvanized the university and the community, you're doing, you're doing drugs. You're doing drugs. But for whatever reason, people keep coming out of the woodworks from high and far to try and diminish Dion and what he did 
this year at the University of Colorado. The latest person to do it is a former Colorado Buffalo football player. Notice I said former. Because when Dion brought his luggage, and it was Louie, this dude we're about to hear from wasn't a part of it. I also want to, before we play the audio clip, he's on Jason Whitlock's platform. Y'all remember the fat slob Jason Whitlock from ESPN, argued with everybody, the most anti-black black guy I've ever met in my life. He had this former Colorado Buffalo on his platform, and the young man had this to say about his experience with Coach Prime. I, I do want to go a cut deeper or a little different angle with you, uh, Owen, just because <clears throat> it's not just the believer thing with Dion. Dion has this race narrative that, you know, he's doing this for the upliftment of black people. And I don't know if, what the audience can know, but uh, uh, Owen is one of our African-American brothers. He's half black, half white. And Pause it just, just for a second and we'll pick it up right at that you. spot. I'm sorry. I just threw you completely in a loop. What the hell is a African-American? I've ne- That cornball-ass lingo that he's using to try to bash the let's, – let's keep it rolling. I had to stop it on that because what? Owen is one of our African-American brothers. He's half black, half white. And I'm just wondering for you if the whole racial angle with Dion and, and what he was allegedly going to do for black coaches and black athletes, is that any part of your disappointment or any part of how you evaluated Dion? Absolutely. I mean, like you said, I'm African-American. Uh, half black, half white. And I'm super close with my dad now, but when I grew up as a kid, you know, it was just my mom and I. He wasn't really around. And, you know, I was kind of longing for that father figure, especially in a coach. You know, that's such a easy position for a young person to look up to and depend on. And, you know, he talked about how he wants kids from single mom households and he wants young black men and things like this. And I was really, really excited because I thought that I was going to have a chance to basically have a discipleship underneath one of the greatest athletes of all time. I thought he was going to come in and mentor me and kind of take me under his wing because he wanted to see people like me who grew up with their mom and are of African-American descent. He wanted to see them excel and then to be ignored and eventually dismissed hurt, but I mean, I can't speak to why he did it, so I just have to respect that he did. <laughs> and I don't want to laugh at it because nothing about it is funny from either angle. But, like, I really more so wanted to play the audio to show you all when folks want to drive a narrative, when folks want to push a narrative about someone, they will stop at no lengths to ensure that narrative gets pushed. This young man, I, the fact that you didn't have the self-awareness. First of all, he'll probably never play Division One college football anywhere again. Because if I'm a coach and you enter the portal and, and this interview comes to the forefront and I see this is how you talked about your last coach, I'd feel some type of way. But I want to break down a couple of parts of what he said. First of all, yes, Dion multiple times is on the record talking about how he wanted athletes – from single-family homes. He wanted people that had dealt with adversity and struggle 
in their life because Dion is of the old school mentality of where if you haven't been through nothing, it's hard for you to really push through things. So that's what he meant by that. He didn't mean that every single mother player that he recruited and brought in, he didn't he didn't promise to be their father. That that's basically what this kid is saying. That he's mad that Dion didn't give him the one on one attention that he craved. Anthony, you went to the great Syracuse University. You are good friends with Zaire Franklin, uh-huh. who also yep. went to the great Syracuse University. So you know how Division One relationships work between the head coach and player. Mm-hmm. Just based off the look of this African American <laughs> on the screen, <laughs> do you think that he was making the travel squad on Colorado? Or do you think Colorado even has a travel squad? It's D1, so they may not have one. Yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily think he was. He probably just isn't that good, right? And if anyone that's played Division One football out there, please call in and, and, and talk about this, 301-230-0980. If you are not good, let's just call it what it is. If you're not good, if you're not a part of the three deep, is how I would describe it, first string, second string, third string, you're probably not going to have – some tremendous off-the-field relationship with their head coach. Mm-hmm. Unless you two can relate on something. Because guess what? Dion just inherited a program that was 1-11 last year and amongst the worst in all of college football. His job was to come in and transform this program. And he did that. Despite what you all may think about the job Dion did, he will 100% transform Colorado. And I got some numbers here that we'll give you in a second that backs all of that up. But for this kid... I don't even know who I'm more angry at, the, the player or Jason Whitlock. I can't be mad at Jason Whitlock because this is, this is how, he, how he flows, right? Like this is the type of below-the-belt stuff that he tries to do. I, I just don't know from the kid's perspective what he wanted from his head coach. If you're a high schooler out there listening, what do you want from your college head coach? I'll tell you what, you got to earn attention. In college sports, you got to earn conversation in college sport. Now, if you're being recruited and you're on a one on one recruiting visit, that's a whole nother story. I remember this was like 2016. I took a gap year after I graduated high school and, and I'm, I'm going out and looking for a place to continue my college football career. I had to sit out my freshman year because of an ACL tear, and I went and I visited Albright College in Reading, Pennsylvania. And when you're on a college visit, if you're, I was a defensive end, so my recruiting guide was the defensive coordinator and the defensive line coach. But the defensive line coach is the one I'm going to have most direct contact with. They're recruiting me. You're texting. You get on campus. You tour the school. You tour the locker room. And then at the end of your visit, you meet the head coach. So at the end of my visit, I meet the head coach. I walk in with my aunt and uncle. They're in the coach's office. The damn coach at Albright didn't even get his big ass off the chair to stand up and shake my uncle's hand, to stand up and shake my aunt's hand, to stand up and even shake my hand. So you know what? Immediately I knew that I wasn't going to Albright because he wasn't rocking with me like that, probably because I was some injured kid coming off of an ACL tear that wasn't going to contribute to the program right away. I say all that to say, in sports and in life. Now, in life, it's a little bit different because I would say that you should treat the janitor with the same amount of respect as you treat the CEO. And this isn't even a respect thing, though. To, to, think, that, to think that a fifth stringer is supposed to have a 
open-door relationship with the head coach just shows that you don't know a damn thing about athletics. That's what it shows me. I feel like, so you mentioned Zaire, Mm -hmm. you know, that's one of my best friends. He was actually just on his podcast talking about something similar to this Mm -hmm. situation because Dino, you know, he just got replaced. We got Fran, um, what's the last name? The DB coach from uh, Georgia. Okay. Uh, he's the new head coach at Syracuse, and a whole bunch of like former Syracuse athletes were like going on Nino, saying like, "Oh, it's time, it's been time," and things of that nature. And it's players that actually played during uh, their time at Syracuse that actually had a relationship with Dino that's out there defending them because they're confused as to why you know former players are going off on their coach, but a lot of those players mm-hmm. that were going off on Dino didn't play, didn't play, and that's part of it, and. It, it, it's crazy. <laughs> You're right. It's crazy the lengths people go to, like, push these kinds of narratives. And it's messed up. You know, Jason Woodlock, I, I mean, I don't expect anything, you know, We know, why, from, we know yeah. how Shorty yeah. get down. Bro. I already know. That, that's who he is. But I told you I had some numbers for you to really underscore the job that Dion did this past fall at Colorado. Yeah, they only won four games, but they drastically improved in pretty much every major statistical category. And I'm pulling up their team stats from 2022 to 2023. In 2022, Colorado was 131st out of 131 eligible FBS teams in terms of points allowed per game. They bumped all the... It's probably the wrong stat to use. They jumped a couple of spots. (laughs) This is the one that I really wanted to use. Strength of schedule, or excuse me, points four. That's the real big one. Last year, Colorado offensively was historically bad. 185 total points. They scored 15 points per game. They were 127th out of 131 teams in terms of points per game. This year, Dion has them all the way up to 61st in points per game. It's almost a 100-spot improvement. They're better in every statistical category. TV numbers, way up. The money and revenue coming into the program, much better. So it's estimated that Colorado, and this, these numbers are via the Washington Post, it's estimated that Colorado's first four home games added $77.8 million to the city of Colorado's economy. That's the only impact you need to know right there, what type of impact Dion's having on the University of Colorado. He's completely revitalized their economy with what he's done with the football program. Applications to the university have skyrocketed, particularly from African-American students. And then this is the great thing. The Buffaloes sold out every football game for the first time in program history. Yeah, they got blown out by Oregon, right? It was the most watched college football game of the season up until last weekend. So there's that. So for all the folks hating on Coach Prime, continue to hate. And guess what, Anthony? I think we were texting about this before the show started. Everyone's up in arms about Dion talking openly about how he needs to replace this offensive line. They went out and landed the number one tackle prospect in the class of 2024 uh, this past fall. So, Dion and company, the recruiting trail looking good for the 2024 season. I expect them in a Pac-12 that's going to take a step back next year. I expect them to be amongst the front runners, and I expect them to be bowl eligible next year because Dion is going to continue to flip this roster around. And how do you not want to play for that guy? That's the one thing I would say. Unless you stink and you're not very good, how would you not want to play for Deion Sanders? Plenty to go left in the show. Final half hour. We got a lot to get to, though, before we get out of here. 
When we come back, we'll switch gears back to the National Football League with four weeks left to go in the season, five weeks left to go in the season. There are a lot of big-time pressing issues that we still need to tackle. We'll play a little bit of NFL fact or fiction next to get to the bottom of the best hot-button topics in the National Football League. That's next here on the Team 980. It's the Hoffman Show, Team 980. We're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the Youngest in Charge movement, Linnell Willingham, riding with you for another half hour here tonight. Before we get out of here, we'll get to some NBA play-in tournament going on right now. The semifinals between the Bucks and the Pacers happening right now in Vegas. The Pacers up 12 at the half. Miles Turner leads all Pacers with 16 points. Second half of the in-season tournament semifinals tonight at 9 o'clock. Pelicans and Lakers. Before we get out of here, we will talk some NBA and we'll discuss the play-in tournament. The Athletic yesterday released their first power ranking system for the 2023 NBA season, and they've got tiers just like we do tiers here on the Hoffman Show. So it'll be interesting to get to that before we get out of here. Right now, though, I want to get back on the National Football League. Five weeks left to go. A lot of things we still got to decipher through. We'll do it now in a little bit of NFL fact or fiction. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! NFL Fact or Fiction. Super producer Anthony Haney, what do you got for us, my friends? All right, my guy, we got a couple of things on the agenda over here. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. So we're going to start out with this. Mm-hmm. It's time to hit the panic button in Philly after being dominated Sunday by the 49ers. Ooh, that fact or fiction? If any Dirty Bird fans out there listening, I'm sorry. That is fact. Fact? And let, okay. me, and let me tell you why it's fact. Eric Eager was on with us, and he mentioned something, and it's something that I've given Philadelphia credit for. They have trailed in each of their past six or seven games And they're playing the role of the cardiac kids. They continue to play well and and get over the hump in these late-game situations. But Sunday, they got dominated. There's a trend, though, that's been going on with Philadelphia all year that I feel like the casual NFL fan probably wouldn't notice. The Eagles this year, Anthony Haney, 29th in red zone defense, 32nd in third down defense. They're 26th in takeaways and 24th and points allowed. There's no coincidence that Sam Howell looked like damn Joe Namath in the two performances against Philly. That defense is bad. In Dallas, their offense is humming. So I think on Sunday, Philly probably takes another loss. And I'm hitting the panic button because it's like, dude, you signed Shaq Leonard, you traded for Kevin Byard, and your defense still stinks. I'm calling fact. It is time to hit the panic button out in Philadelphia. What about their ability, though, to win these close games? You keep talking about, you know, they've, you. They've, they've trailed in all these games. Guess what? The Chargers, they can't seem to win those kinds of games, <laughs> these close games that we're talking about. So, I mean, I hear you, but at the same token, I'm like, ah. ah. Well, look, the NFL is a game of inches, and I just want to look at their stretch here the past month. Because mm-hmm. me and my boy, my boy is a diehard Eagles fan. We Brutal. talk about this all the time. Their schedule the last month, you can make the argument, has been the most difficult in the National Football League. They've had to go home for Dallas at Kansas City. They were home for Buffalo. 
and then they were home for San Francisco this past weekend. They go 3-1 and one during that stretch. But, Anthony, I'm worried about how they finish. You got at Dallas, at Seattle, and then you got two dates with the Giants down the stretch. And I know you're saying, oh, the Giants. But in NFC East play, we know how difficult it is, and you can lose any given Sunday. Philly right now locked into the number one seed. Mm-hmm. Do you think it finishes that way? Because I don't think they beat Dallas on Sunday. Yeah, CeeDee Lamb's th- going to go Kanye crazy. I don't think it finishes uh, that way. I think it will be a three-way tie with them, Dallas, and the 49ers. Who can finish, you know, the season sh- the yeah. best? That's that's really all it's that's about, you know, getting momentum, heading into the playoffs kind of thing. Next up on our fact or fiction. Give it to me. Justin Fields will prove to be – will prove to the Bears he is worth keeping long-term in the final month of the season. Is this fact or fiction? Um, Listen, Justin, Bears fans out there, NFC North supporters, the Bears right now have the number one pick in the draft via the Carolina Panthers. Caleb Williams, a generational prospect at quarterback, is going to be sitting there staring him in the face. And I wonder what decision – they are going to make the final month of the season for the Chicago Bears is as follows. They're home for Detroit this Sunday. They're at Cleveland. Then they're home for the Cardinals, home for the Falcons, and then they finish up on the road at Green Bay. Basically, they're playing one good defense in the final five weeks of the season. If Justin Fields... Here in this back half final five-game stretch, if Justin Fields can go out and put up some numbers, which I think he's very capable of, why would they not want to insulate the roster around Justin Fields? The situation here in Washington is eerily similar to the one that's going on right now in Chicago. From the Bears' standpoint, the question is, if you draft Caleb Williams... Is Caleb going to have much more success than, than Justin's having? Because I think we and you can agree, Anthony. Justin, way more mobile than Caleb is. Caleb is pretty mobile, Cable's though, man. mobile, but, bro, when you're going up against Pac-12 defenses where the defensive linemen aren't very fast outside of late two. The but, fact, though, that he has pocket presence, Does though, he? I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm, His line isn't all that good. I mean, we, we got a lot to. I don't know if he. I, I still wonder for Caleb how he is going to do playing on time. Can he play okay, within the structure fair. of an NFL offense? That's fair. Because we know it's not a lot of – you got to be able to make plays off schedule, but you can't live off schedule. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Pat Mahomes had the same issue, which is why he benefited from sitting an entire year behind Alex Smith, mm-hmm. cleaning up the footwork, cleaning up the pocket presence. If you're Chicago and you're there at number one overall, I'm trading back. I'm getting Olu. I'm getting Marvin. And then you're a lot better. Why put Caleb in the same bad situation that Justin is in? And when I say trade back, I probably should have named another starter, too, because they've got the first pick. They've got, what, the third pick? I think it's probably going to be the fifth. It might be the third. I'm looking it up now. Right now, they're they're slated to have the first pick and the fifth pick. Yeah. So that's what you have already. If you trade from one and move back, say, to three, and quarterbacks go one, two. Yeah. You can get. In this situation, I'm probably drafting Marvin Harrison first. And then I let Washington and Arizona have their pick of the tackles. Because they're both not going to take a tackle. And then you go get another dude over at five. 
here's my only They're rich right now in terms of resources. Yeah, here's my only pushback to the Justin Fields uh, saga. Mm-hmm. Last year, at the end of the season, we <laughs> saw the same thing. Justin Fields putting up numbers, using his legs, showing some promise. We're in week 14, Linnell, <laughs> and you're talking about, oh, can we see Justin Fields put up some more numbers in the final stretch of the season? The season started 18 <laughs> weeks ago, man. You want us to sit and wait again? Patience. No, I'm going out there and getting this generational talent of Caleb Williams and building around him. I got all this draft capital. I got a whole bunch of cap money. That is what I'm doing if I'm uh, Ryan Poles. And they're going to have a new head coach. Who, who's to say Justin Fields isn't their guy? That's fair. That's my only pushback. So to answer the question in the form of fact or fiction, I think the question is about – I kind of phrased it weird. It's about will he do enough down the stretch? Okay. I gave you the defenses he's going up against. One good defense in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to take him. Okay. There's no way that they move on with Justin. Only because Caleb is there. Yeah. But I would be really th- – my decision, wouldn't, my mind wouldn't be made up right now is the way trade I would him. put it. That's you trade it. him. Last one be, uh, before we get out of this mm-hmm. segment. The AFC East will have three new head coaches next year. <laughs> fact or fiction, baby? That's facts for a multitude of different reasons, right? I said three. So we know that Mike McDaniel was safe in Miami. Bill Belichick probably gets blown out. I think – Robert Sala potentially should be blown out. Yeah. Yeah, I said it. Oh, my god! Robert Salah should be fired. And I was a veteran on the Jets roster, and, and we pussyfooted around all year with Zach Wilson when we could have went out and got a bona fide backup? Come on, man. And this ain't the ESPN segment. He is one of the coaches. Anthony, you know I use this phrase a lot. I think he's in the NFL Illuminati. How often <laughs> <do> you- <laughs> Wow. How often do you get to swing and miss on a quarterback in the top five and keep your job? How many times has he swung and missed? Once. Okay. He, he, he should be gone. He he missed on Zach Wilson. That is a pick that sets the Jets franchise back. Not necessarily. I mean, but the thing is, they Mekhi went out. Becton. They put all their eggs in Aaron Rodgers' basket. Stupid decision. Granted, he went down in just four plays, but you can't. Possibly tell me if he doesn't get injured, See? the Jets aren't looking good. What did you say? He went down to four plays? You as a God-fearing man knows this. You don't live right. Bad things happen to you. Robert Salah's in the NFL Illuminati. That's <laughs> why Rodgers got hurt. Come on, man. That ain't rocket science. So you think fact, right? Fact, 100%. Right. Hey, look, I can't wait to come back to this down the road because I respectfully disagree. I think Salah may get canned this year and then – before today started, I don't the, the the question probably would have been two. But Sean McDermott said some wild stuff. Apparently in a team meeting a couple of weeks ago, trying to rally the troops by using 9-11 references, Anthony. Comparing yeah, that, wow. He compared the Buffalo Bills to the hijackers of 9-11. Just having no type of self-awareness. The show that comes on before us, the Chris Russell Show, has his dumb dumb of the day. I hope it was Sean McDermott today, bro. I cannot believe he will come out and say something ignorant like that. I'm trying to search the web right now because Sean McDermott responded 
to the report and confirmed it and apologized. The Bills already ain't playing good football. Yeah. You in New York making cheesy 9-11 jokes? Grow the hell up. Mm-hmm. That's why the AFC East is going to have three new head coaches next year. And I tell you what, you put an offensive-minded head coach with Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and that cast of weapons? I mean, they get it right. They, they let Dable go, so. They did. And they say that Dable was the guy that, you know, got Josh Allen aligned, so to speak. But we'll see. The Buffalo Bills, man, 6-6. Six and six. I think they're going to be on the outside looking in in terms of the playoff picture. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll take a quick timeout. We come back. Let's go to the hardwood. As promised, the Athletic, they released their first power rankings of the NBA season. And uh, just a little spoiler, Wizards fans, we are in last. That's next here on the Team 980. It's the Hoffman Show, Team 980. We're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham. About 15 minutes left to go in the program here. I want to switch gears one more time before we get out of here. Talk a little bit of round ball, the NBA. About 20 games into this point. The NBA's in-season tournament has made its way to Vegas. The semifinals happening tonight. We got the Pacers trailing Milwaukee by two with 7.04 left to go uh, in the third quarter. And then the second half of the doubleheader will be out in the Western Conference Lakers playing host to the New Orleans Pelicans. That one set the tip at 9 o'clock. And with the play-in tournament having their semifinals today, I thought it would be a perfect time to visit our pals over at The Athletic. They put together their latest NBA power rankings, but they put a little bit of sauce and flavor on this year's version. They went with tiers instead of just your traditional 1 through 30 power rankings. But all 30 teams well-represented throughout their tiers. Tier number one, and we'll go back and forth here, Anthony, to see if we have any disagreements with this. This is their contenders tier, meaning the teams that have an opportunity to win the title, the teams that should be the title favorites right now. He's got four teams in that tier, two from the West, two from the East. His Western Conference representatives are the one seed in the West at 16-4, and Anthony Edwards and the Minnesota Timberwolves in their contenders category. He's also got the defending NBA champions, the Denver Nuggets, in his contenders category. Those are his two teams from the West, Nuggets and Wolves. I want to just stop and start right there. Do you think those are the two clear front runners right now in the Western Conference in terms of representing the West in the finals, the uh, Wolves and the Nuggets? No question. Uh, I think – we saw last year with the Timberwolves what they could uh, possibly yeah. do in the playoffs. Anthony Edwards, he's emerged, and, you know, he's the star of that team. It right. used to be Cat. Uh, Rudy, you know, he's still out there, you know, doing what he does on the defensive end. But Anthony Edwards is the star of that team, and he's shown, he's yes. shown thus far this season um, that he's a force to be reckoned with. He is down with a, a, a bit of an injury, but um, I still expect the Wolves to, you know, be solid. And the Nuggets – there's no, the there's no answer for Jokic, dog. Yeah. There, there's no answer. And, you know, they're still getting healthy. They Jamal are. Murray's coming back from injury. So uh, the fact that they're still at the top of the West, it's a little scary. I think the latter part of what you said, the fact that they're still competing with Jamal Murray being in and out of the lineup is huge. Minnesota's the best team in the NBA defensively in terms of opponent points per game. Mm-hmm. They've got depth. You mentioned it, right? We, we saw what they could do last year. 
uh, toward the back end of the season. They're healthy this time around. Nas Reed hopefully will be available for them come postseason time. Uh, Jaden McDaniels playing good basketball. They're they're a complete team. And in terms of like teams that are constructed to stop Nikola Jokic, I think Minnesota's got a front court that can do it. Yep. He's got the Bucks and the Celtics as the contenders in the Eastern Conference. Any disagreement with that? Uh, nah, I think I, yeah, me either. I think that Damon and Giannis no. duo is getting better and better every the time nickname? they go out. Did you hear the nickname for for Damon Giannis? Nah, what is it? Freak time. <laughs> you on nah, board nah, we don't need that's that. Via, that's via Gill's Arena, man. If you tap into the arena, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, he's got they've got the Celtics and the Bucks as their contenders in the Eastern Conference. Tier two is on the brink of contention. Two teams, the Suns and the Thunder. There was a joke on Twitter that. Kelly Oubre got hit by a car and still came back before Bradley Beal. Wow. <laughs> Not really funny of a joke because Kelly wow. getting hit by a car is crazy. But do you agree that the – we know the Suns are on the brink of contention, but do you agree with yeah. Oklahoma City? Uh, I love what, what Shea is doing. Yeah. I love, you know, Chet's. He's getting better game in, game out. They're young, yeah, like, no. and, young and I think that's I think that's the only thing they're they're missing. They're missing some some veterans in their locker room. Shea is probably one of the oldest on the team, yeah. and uh, I, I I think you need some championship pedigree. You need like people who have been there who who know what it takes. I wouldn't necessarily say they're a, a legitimate contender, but I could see them making the playoffs. Yeah, I could see them maybe getting to the semis, but I don't see them going to the West Conference Finals or anything, um, making some noise like that. But yeah. I think they're a young and, and up-and-coming squad. Yeah, I was um, I was surprised to see that, you know, the Athletic had them on the brink of contention, meaning mm-hmm. like they're right outside of the title contender uh, line, so to speak. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready to go that far with them yet. I need to see more consistency with them. Uh, playoff teams. The shocker and the surprise team in the East right now is the Magic. He's got the Magic, the Knicks, the Sixers, the Pelicans, the Kings, and the Mavs. I think it's fair to put all of those teams in the same tier. In terms of the young teams, right, we can make the comparison of Oklahoma City and Orlando. I trust Orlando more Mm. than I trust Oklahoma City, and here's why. why. Jamal Mosley is my answer. Okay. Veteran head coach that's been an assistant for a while and knows what it takes to compete. Um, Playing or better, he's got Pacers, Heat, Lakers, Cavs, and Hawks. Disrespect putting the Lakers in the play-in, right? Yeah, that's very, very disrespectful. And me and you are both known to be, excuse our language, Bron sexual. <laughs> but we are LeBron supporters, man. I just think it's disrespectful to have my king as a play-in team. Come on, I, man. I, I think Patrick Beverly said it the best uh, when he was asked, mm-hmm. who does he have winning the play-in? And he was like, I think the question should be, you don't bet against LeBron James. You can't <laughs> right. count LeBron James Never. out in no circumstance. Exactly. These guys were in the play-in they last, year. last year. And, and what do they end up? The, the Western way, yeah. Conference Finals. I understand why you have some reluctance to, you know, give them or, like, give them more credit than they, they deserve. Right. Anthony Davis needs to be the best player on the team, and he has not stepped into that role. So I understand the reluctance. But – LeBron is ha- don't, doing what he needs to do. He's him. So, so, so it doesn't matter. Like, the Lakers are going to be fine. I agree with you. I think the Lakers will be fine. I personally want to challenge Anthony Davis to just be dominant, man. Yeah. Like, it's supposed to be your year. Go go back to New Orleans, Anthony Davis, where you're getting 30 and 20 double-double. He don't like, shoot the ball enough, man. I feel like him and LeBron are like. They give him the ball, though. That's the, the thing. Ball. He's just he's an oatmeal cream pie. Looking <laughs> to make the play-in. This is where it gets really disrespectful. 
Clippers looking to make the play in. Wow. The Warriors are in this team or in this tier as well. Nets, Raptors, and Rockets all should be in this tier. They put the Warriors there. I'm putting a fork in the Warriors. Steve Kerr was talking about making changes to the starting lineup Good. last night. I Good. think we're going to see it. Good. Clay Thompson, my light skinned brethren. Can yeah. you can you pick it up here in the next couple of weeks? The last two tiers, tier six, not tanking yet, but maybe someday. The Wizards before this year were in this tier to me. Bulls, Grizzlies, Blazers, Hornets, and Jazz. The Bulls are really interesting because Zach Levine is like Bradley Beal to me. They're the Wizards of last year. Mm -hmm. He's not good enough to move forward with, and I don't think he could be the best player on a championship team. And then Ant-Man, incomprehensibly bad. (laughs) Wizards, Spurs, and the Detroit Pistons. The Spurs, I believe, have lost 16 straight games. They got to get a point guard. Maybe you should go play point guard for the Spurs. I don't think you put the Spurs in that tier because you have Victor. You have a building block for the future. Now, the Wizards, and who was the other team? The Pistons. The Pistons are, like, not supposed to be rebuilding. They're yeah, they, be they, they shouldn't be because they they have so much young talent. They got Kate Cunningham. They got Jaden. All these top five picks. And they can't and, figure and, it out. And they can't figure it out. I, I, yeah, that, that one doesn't make sense. So the Wizards, Wizards and Pistons, yes, but the Spurs, no. Victor's going to be fine. He's going to figure it out. Give it a year or two. Hopefully they can get. Victor, a point guard. You said give it a year or two. I want to see what he looks like post-All-Star break, man. Every week, uh, he seems to get a hell of a lot better. Uh, well, so I was just sh- talking about the Spurs in general. Oh, give well, them a year or two. Yeah. They're a whole nother uh, yeah. case study in itself. That's <laughs> enough for the hoop talks uh, here this afternoon. One final segment on the other side of this break. Real things, real people said in the real microphones. That's next on the Team 980.